It is not a coincidence that the certain products that we know that are causing a lot of harm are effect also affecting black and brown people. That is why there's nothing being done about those particular products. Facts do not have opinions. Just don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. Self-love is really about self-respect and acceptance. Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of Real Everything. I'm here each week to dive deeper into how we can find happiness and health inside and out through self-love, body positivity, and discovering new ways to be our best selves. One of the ways I've done that over the past couple of years is with our guest today, Kai Washington, who... I'm thrilled to call a friend at this point, but I'll be honest, my, my first introduction to Kai was seeing her featured in a documentary, and I'm sure that she'll talk about that when she shares more about herself. We had actually been around each other before then, but I hadn't noticed her or kind of befriended her until that moment, and then I was like, oh, we need to become friends. So the more that I have learned about Kai with the more time that I've spent with her, the more I have come to adore her and her amazing energy. I'm so excited to share it with you today. She is a professional makeup artist featured on screen, on the red carpets, bridal, you name it. She also is one of the very few makeup artists dedicated to clean beauty for quite a long time, not since it became a new fad. And we have worked together many times since then, providing tutorials for maybe some of you listeners. And if you'd like to hear any of those or see some of the videos, just email me, stacy at realeverything.com, and I'll be happy to forward them your way. But before we get started, and Kai, you get to introduce yourself. Do you want to say hi? I know it's so awkward when people talk about you and you're just kind of like listening. Hey, hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. And I'm a big fan of this podcast. So this is so exciting. Oh, that's it's fun. I, f I forget that you do listen to this sometimes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so an area that I've always wanted to explore, um, not just on the podcast, but in life in general, is the impact of being a woman in color. I actually have an English degree that specialized in cultural criticism. And part of that, I did work on evaluating social and cultural impacts to women of color since college. So while I am in no way a person of color, I do have awareness for a long time, I think, of how especially beauty standards, social, cultural impacts to people of color have continued over the years. I think what was fascinating to me is once I kind of learned more about ingredient safety, screening, testing, and just in general, the clean beauty movement, I realized how much more adverse effects there were for people of color in that. So I want to share some science with our listeners before you kind of dive into your story, what brought you to where you are, and then we can kind of dive into this a little more and share with others. But this is something that is well documented and researched. There's information all over the internet. So on EWG, I found some statistics back through their research looking at 
For example, the amount of Black people in the population is estimated about 13%. And their spending accounts for 22% of that $42 billion a year personal care industry. So there's a higher proportion of spending to that group of people who are purchasing. And that means that not only are they buying more, but they're, you know, spending more of their budget and being exposed to more potentially harmful ingredients with the increased amount of products that they're using. And not just is that in and of itself a problem, but there is a higher risk that those products, especially hair products and skin lighteners, and if we're doing like nail polish and acrylics and those sort of things are marketed to that community in particular, and they contain known carcinogens and hormone disruptors. So I was shocked to find that mercury is still in skin lighteners. Like I don't I don't even understand how that's possible. But there was a December 2019 study published in the International Journal of Cancer that found that women who used hair dye or chemical straighteners were at a higher risk of developing breast cancer. We can also see that that link was notably higher among black women who regularly use products such as relaxers since they can formaldehyde, which is a preservative link to certain cancers. We can also see it in feminine products linked to phthalates, which is a known hormone disruptor. And we can also see that less than 25% of the products marketed to black women fall under what we would call like a green category or a low hazard category. And, you know, Kai and I are big believers that we can do better. And there are fortunately emerging black owned brands coming out. And I'm excited Kai can share more about that with us. But I think it's just really important to understand that there is not just this, you know, societal cultural impact, but there's also scientific evidence of higher toxicity, not just to the black population, but to people of color in general. We've seen in studies from Latinx teenagers switching to clean beauty products that they have a higher percentage in their system. Fortunately, you know, if you stop using those products, you can see that they drop significantly in three days. But we also know that there are forever chemicals like PFAS that are found in these products that never, never leave your system. So, um, I think ultimately what we wanted to discuss today was kind of the impact of both of those things that, you know, the chemical relaxers and the hair lighteners are a cultural driven societal standard of beauty within the culture to look more Caucasian and those products are more toxic, causing harm both emotionally and physically via beauty standards to the black community. So Kai, I know this has been a passion of yours and you have personal experience kind of working on improving your health, learning more about this. So can you share a little bit about yourself with our listeners? Hey everyone. So yes, I, as Stacey says, I'm a professional makeup artist. So I've been around beauty products my entire adult, you know, life and career and I've always been a beauty lover as well. So I'm the person in my friend group and in my pro makeup community that like, if you want to talk products, they're like, oh, you got to ask Kai. Nobody knows more about products than Kai. I've always been 
obsessed with products and how they perform and things like that. So being in this community, there's pressure in itself, right? And then adding being a black woman or person person of color too adds to that. But when you, and that's just surface, right? But then when you think back on like how you're raised, the white supremacy and how that plays a part, it really does all contribute to the end, which is your overall health. And for a lot of us is not the best. So my story is that I am a makeup artist, obviously, as Stacey told you, and I absolutely freaking love everything about my industry and about makeup, even the bad stuff. I would never have it any other way because it's just such a wonderful, it's a wonderful place when you're an artist to be in the place that you belong is amazing, right? But, you know, applying all these makeup products, using them on myself and things like that, you don't realize all the time, most people don't realize the effect that it can have on your body. And if you combine just having a love for products with, you know, something like white supremacy that makes you feel pressured to look a certain way, like a certain type of person, you end up using more products. So for example, I have been, I had been getting a relaxer. I've been natural, have natural hair now. And I've been, I've had natural hair for many years, but I got my first relaxer, like in the black community, it's like, oh, you're, you know, when you turn 12 or 13, you get a relaxer. It's because society has told us that without that straight hair, right, that you're not going to get ahead. I've heard that so many times in the community. Like if you don't have you're, you know, if you have your hair natural, people consider that ghetto or not for, that's what non-smart people do, like all kind of stuff like that, right? So, you know, so I grew up, you know, I got the relaxer because that's what you're supposed to do and have the look and have the makeup and all of that stuff. And, you know, I was going along life and then I did started to not feel so well and started to have issues. I ended up in my adult life having several issues and they all ended up being linked to the products I was using. First, I had chronic migraines. I was tested many, many times. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And then I started having issues in my reproductive areas. I ended up having, after I got married and I, I got pregnant and I ended up having a miscarriage. I was carrying twin boys and I had a miscarriage in my second trimester. So I was like already showing everyone knew I was pregnant and the doctors had no answers for me. I went to so many doctors, so many specialists and mind you, according to society, this is a whole nother topic, but I was a healthy person, meaning like I ate a certain way. I worked out, et cetera. I was the weight that they said was healthy, which we, that's a whole nother conversation, girl. But I, they couldn't figure out, you know, I got no answers, no answers. And so then I decided to take a holistic approach because I'd gone through all the doctors and made some lifestyle changes and started seeing some significant improvements in my health. And then I finally did get with an amazing doctor who properly diagnosed me as having PCOS. And by changing the products that I was using in my shower, my makeup vanity and cleaning products in my home and things, it dramatically improved 
dramatically improved my health, which was just crazy to me. And then once I realized that I started that this is when I became the crazy ingredient lady. I decided to get certified in aromatherapy because I wanted to learn about more about plants and ingredients and things like that. And I was still a working makeup artist. By this time I, I was in TV and film like I am now red carpet special event. And once I realized like what was in the products, the effect that they could have on you, etc., I I couldn't in good conscience keep using those same products on my clients. So what ended up happening was I had my same kit and then I was intimidated. So I had like this little kit, this little tiny green kit. And I would be like, if you, you know, want to try green products, like that's how I started. And then one day I worked on, I was at a TV station and I worked on five pregnant women and the feeling, sorry to get emotional that I had inside of putting, you know, what you know, whatever we were using on them and remembering what had happened to me, I just couldn't do it anymore after that. Also, I noticed that all of my clients too were like, wow, your skin looks amazing, your makeup looks amazing, what are you doing? And it was nothing that was in my kit. And after that day of working on all those beautiful pregnant women, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to become a clean makeup artist. I know that this is not what people in my industry, especially TV film, like no, nobody's really doing that, but I think it's the right thing to do. And that is how the beginnings of my company, Modern Green Goddess started by cleaning up my kit and slowly starting to offer services. And now we have like all kinds of stuff. I teach classes. I still do on-site work. You know, I do like webinars and all kinds of other things talking about clean beauty, aromatherapy, and self-care. But that's kind of the origin of where it started. And it was a combination of you know, my genuine love for products is there are some people that are like, like me out there, but also to fit in to societal norms is how, why I was using things like relaxers in my hair or, you know, why, why people, a lot of people I knew were bleaching and a lot of the things that we were doing that end up affecting your health. And on top of that, Black women are one of the, and this is research, one of the most, one of the most likely races of people in America to die in a hospital, especially during like birthing and childbirth and stuff like that. And so it's like, you have to take really good care of yourself, especially if you're in a situation like that, where you're, you don't know if you're going to have the best care if you even go to a hospital. That's so heartbreaking to hear that and listen to that. I mean, these kind of statistics are talked about or thrown about. And I, I think, you know, if you're not the group that's being discussed, like in my case, right? Like I feel badly about that. And I'm also like, and I don't know what to do. So today with the show, we're going to try to talk about what we can do. Nobody can change anything overnight, but I do think understanding why some of these things happen, help us then make better decisions going forward. And I'm curious, Kai, what year was it? Do you remember when you switched your kit and I know where you are now, which is you're using green, clean products on people going on TV on the red carpet, right? So that it was a transition and now it's something people seek you out for. 
Right. So I would say I officially switched my kit because I was like teetering. I will tell you guys that I officially switched my kit and then actually changed like, cause I already had like a little company and I switched the name to modern green goddess and like changed everything in 2015 officially. But I will tell you guys that I, I had that little baby kit that I was teeter-tottering with since, like, 2013. Yeah, I, I mean, just, that's still... I was nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's... I mean, I know I joined Beauty Counter about six years ago. So, you know, that's that's ahead of where I was with finding products that performed that also was safe. Like I know I was a junkie. I was a Sephora Mac junkie (laughs) before I had kids. That's where my disposable income went. Right. Like I just, I loved products too. And even when I switched my skincare, probably around the same time, like 2013 ish, I did not believe that makeup could perform the same. And now there is tons of availability in terms of what's what's possible. So I think it's people like you and consumers becoming more educated like our listeners that make that possible and voting with their dollars and that kind of stuff. So before we kind of talk products, though, I do want to talk about the cultural aspect. So I know we have talked a lot on the show, as you alluded to, about fat phobia and weight discrimination being rooted in racism. And I'll put a link in the show notes to the book Fearing Black Bodies, which is an in-depth book that goes into that. We don't, that's not what we're here to do today, but it is definitely worth looking into. I want to expand that conversation as it relates to other forms of appearance. So specifically, as I was talking about that work that I did in college, Looking at marketing of magazines, evaluating them for sexism, racism, sizeism. If you kind of like took a lens to some of the stuff, especially 10 years ago, that was coming at us culturally and societally, it was shocking to kind of do that research and to write about it. And by and large, all of those ads at the time were whitewashed. It was either all Caucasian models or it was people of color modeled to white beauty standards instead of their own. So what I mean by that is hair was straightened. It was people of color with lighter skin. Oftentimes contact lenses are used to lighten the eyes, different things like that to qualify under what we're going to call kind of white beauty standards. That's what we're referring to. So Kai, I'm curious over the years that you've been professionally in this industry, I mean, you talked about your own transition to doing hair relaxers to straighten your hair to now having natural hair. I know that you follow trends and like to have fun, like your hair is still always fun. I'm curious what you've seen as it relates to this impact that race and the cultural impact have on the beauty industry that you follow the trends of? Well, it's a really interesting dynamic. It's gone from one complete thing to a new thing that we have to deal with. So it started as just very Eurocentric. And I want to say this too, because I feel like sometimes when we use the word, and because this is probably going to be used again, y'all, just when we use the words white supremacy, 
Like, if you are a Caucasian person, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like almost sometimes people take offense to it. And I want to explain what it actually is. If you also are interested in diving deeper into that, definitely read Me and White Supremacy by Leila Afsad. It's like the game changer book. And that's what I always recommend to people that want to dive into that. But anyways, white supremacy is something that was set up by some old white men many, many, many years ago, and it's just still in place. So when we use the term white supremacy, we're not saying that all white people feel they're superior to everyone or that you're doing something in particular. It just means that it's the system that we live in. So I just wanted to make that very clear before I keep akin going to patriarchy, into- right? Like yes, if we exactly patriarchy is often a word that's thought of as either well understood or it's a four letter word. And kiddo asked me the other day because I have a song list on my phone called "Smash the Patriarchy" that they love, and they're like, "What is the patriarchy?" Like they like all the songs, right? Like the women empowerment songs, and they're like, "What is the patriarchy?" And like the patriarchy is just a societal structure that says there's a hierarchy, and the patriarchs, the men are the hierarchy of that. And there are matriarchal societies as well. We see it especially in some animal kingdoms. There is not an inherent, like, badness to it. That's what we're doing as a society, right? And I would say what we've done as a society to put Euro-white standards at the top of the hierarchy has been atrocities throughout centuries of many peoples of color, right? And so it's like, we're not, we're not trying to encompass everybody who has lighter skin to say you were bad because these bad things happened before. We're saying societally, this structure still exists because we can look back at history and see that it exists and it can't possibly just like a light switch turn off. And how do we continue to make that change to get away from it? Does that, is, I don't want to speak for you, but is, I, I, just recently explained this to my child with patriarchy. So I want to make sure we're kind of like on the same page with listeners. So I'm glad you kind of took that pause there. Yes. So I just wanted to say that first. So it comes back up. You guys understand. It's just like this. It's the soup we're living in. Okay. So when we're talking about the standards, we went from very Eurocentric. I mean, and this has gone back from years and years or years, even to like slavery. If you think of it in America, like, The irony that the women that the master raped, (laughs) the kids were lighter skinned and their evidence of rape was the people that they wanted to have in the house because they had lighter skin, right? So it started there. So that's where the, if you're lighter, you're better started. Then I remember reading this once where the the women like the the slave women were asked to cover their hair to make them look less attractive was something that was started with some of the women especially in the south and so the women started using head wraps but they were like so colorful and pretty that it actually like attracted the guys side sidebar story but the point is is that first it was like cover your hair lighten you know the lighter skin is better and these things kind of trickle down trickle down then it became once that we're out of slavery and we're into this you know kind of separate but equal and all of that kind of stuff which was obviously crap but it was if you want to if you want to get ahead or be a professional you need to look closer to 
the to like you're you're eccentric, right? So that meant like straightening your hair or having your hair pressed or doing things for your skin to appear lighter or stay out of the sun. Like I taught a class about this once where it was a self-worth class and we had to share our first experience of when we felt unworthy. And I, I can remember mine very clearly was I was playing as a little girl and one of my mom's friends were like, oh, you're playing outside, you're having fun. And I was like living my best life, right? I was a little kid. And she was like, don't stay outside in the sun too long, you'll get dark. And that was like the first time that I realized that, oh, okay, is it bad to be, you know, to get sun, to get a tan, to be dark? Um, so just little things like that, they're passed down, they're passed down, they're passed down, right? So by the time you get to like, let's say like my generation and stuff like that, and, and generations before that, once you got to a certain point, your, your, your hair is automatically pressed or the guy's hair has all automatically, you got to cut it, you got to keep it low so your curls don't show, like... It, it, it's been passed down and passed down. And then if you get into other societies, I mean, like in Africa, where like bleaching is very, very prevalent. And also in Asian societies, working with Asian brides, especially years ago, was very eye-opening because their parents were always trying to get us to lighten them or make them whiter. And the actual brides, you know, that were more modern or whatever, wanted to be tan. But in a, a lot of Asian cultures, culture, if you are have deep skin, it means that you work in the field and it's frowned upon. Just like in slavery, it's frowned, you know, like the deeper skin people were in the field because of the, of the, the color, right? So you have all of these things that form into, you know, parents automatically being like, cut, keep your hair low. If you're a boy, you know, if you're a girl, you need to you know, straighten your hair. Like I said, I had my hair straightened, like when I turned like 12 or 13, that was like the gift, you know, like, oh, you're getting your hair straightened today. It's like a whole thing. So by the time I was an adult, I was regularly relaxing my hair. I wasn't like subconscious. I, I might've subconsciously not been hanging out in the sun as much, to be honest. And honestly, that's my favorite place. Like I love being outside. So just like little things like that. So now I'm not getting probably enough sun. I'm, I'm bleaching myself and I'm using all these products to make me look brighter and softer. And, you know, when I was a kid, I was made fun of for my lips. And so I would try to like, you know, start playing with makeup to like make my lips look smaller and just so many like things, you know? And so that's how you get into the, the, the cycle. And so it, with the trends, first it was Eurocentric. So be as Euro looking as possible. And then it morphed into this whole racial appropriation, which is very bizarre as a black person and a person of color. I remember the first time I saw a blatant direct like cultural appropriation and it was the Marc Jacobs, it was a Marc Jacobs fashion show. I loved Marc Jacobs. I had many, many bags. I will tell y'all I was, I was a stan. Okay. I, I, I had lots of like designer. I was really also, that was another thing, like make sure you look luxe. That's a whole nother cultural thing so that people don't think that you're poor. It's like a whole thing. And so I had all these bags and stuff. And I remember them interviewing him and looking at the runway and he had all of these Caucasian women in cornrows walking down the runway, right? And he says, 
not that he took inspiration from Africa or African-American women. Obviously, he didn't put any of them in the show. They were all Caucasian. But then he says that he just thought of the look. He thought it would be cool. <laughs> you thought of corduroy? Mm. <laughs> Sir, excuse me. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you definitely did not. I mean, African women hid seeds in their hair on the slave ships so that they could grow, grow food in cornrows. That's like the kind of how the whole cornrow story is. Is that why they call America. it cornrows? Yes. I learned something today. Yes. Thanks, Kai. And so, yeah, they hide, they hid the seeds and stuff like that so they could grow food and, and stuff like that. Some of them even made more intricate ones that were like maps, like things to help each other out. Like that, that is the history of it. So for him to be like, he made the look up, I was like, excuse, excuse me. And it was so bizarre because when we would wear them, people would be like, oh, you're, you're ghetto or you're, you know, this or that. It was like frowned upon. Yeah, I remember it being a thing when I was in high school, I think, for white females to get them when they went on vacation to like tropical locations and to, you know, put beads in their hair and all these things. And yeah, like we didn't understand at that time how much that was cultural appropriation. And now it's like blatantly obvious. And I hear you talk about it and I put my hand to my head and I'm like, oh gosh. And we just went to the Outer Banks a few weeks ago and there's like hair braiding places all over and it's all pictures of white people getting their hair braided everywhere, right? Like on the examples of what to do. And I'm just like, I can't believe this is still a thing. <laughs> so I think that's a really good example. And it reminds me, did you see the CJ Walker story on Netflix, Self Made? Did you watch that series? Oh, yeah, I loved it. It was okay. really great. I love that they included that she got pushback because she was straightening hair instead of embracing cultural hairstyles. So as much as they were like elevating CJ Walker, I felt like they also did a really good job of voicing that there was an element to her becoming this self-made first woman billionaire was billionaire not millionaire right whatever it was the the you know the the first groundbreaking person off of creating a system by which people of color could become more eurocentric in their appearance and like today in today's world there are still employers and schools that do not allow traditional cultural hairstyles that not just were for seeds, but also prevent hair damage and hair loss and can cause health issues, right? Like if you aren't braiding your hair and you are straightening it to, you know, follow standards or follow the rules, then you're going to have issues from that. And it's just, it's, it's horrifying, especially to know that that is where some of the most toxic ingredients fall. So I know we talked a little bit about that already, but I'm curious in, you know, your switching to clean and trying to educate the people that you worked with about some of this, other products that are marketed for, created for and marketed to people of color so that you know, listeners can kind of be aware. And later in the show, I do want to talk about 
the opposite of this, right? Like we're talking about all the negative, but there are products that even I use and love that are created by and marketed for people of color that we can all support. But I want I want you to share about some of the experiences and products that you had going from being a lover of these things to realizing the harm that they were causing. Yeah, I mean, it was quite shocking. And the funny thing is, and I think a lot of Black women and just women of color will all go back to this, right? Like, the more that we dive deep into ingredients and stuff, we're like, dang it, our freaking families were always right. So I'm Jamaican. I have Jamaican background. And all of our families have two sides, right? They have the, you need to do these things and get this relaxer and do this and do that so you can get ahead. Like those are usually your parents, but your grandparents or maybe your great grandparents were the ones that were like, we just used this and I lived to be a hundred, you know, like live to be a hundred or whatever. And those were all natural techniques. But the problem is those are very conflicting, right? You don't know where to go. Like, do you listen to the grandparents? You listen to the parents? So it's just, it's very confusing, A. And then B, again, with cultural appropriation, it's like if A, and, and this is not anything like a knock on, again, when we're talking about white supremacy, it has nothing to do with Caucasians. It's just a fact. If a white person says something is cool and interesting, then now it's okay. It's cool and interesting. But if a black person or another person of color has been doing it, then it's like, oh, what what are you guys doing? That's weird. That's odd. You know what I mean? Something that comes to mind, you know, is like a long time ago, like when natives were vilified for like marijuana. <laughs> and now look at, look at what's happening. You know what I mean? It's like uh, unbelievable, right? Like, so, you know, like it's, it's, if you're thinking about all of that, then it's really hard to like know which way to go. But once I started looking up ingredients and things, I was like, there's got to be a better way. And I started, I feel like how everyone starts out, and you can back me up if this happened to you too, Stacey, but everyone who eventually is like, I want to look into some cleaner ingredients, you start like at the basics. Like you're using the raw shea butter, out, you know, the hard rock shea butter. You're using like very base ingredients. And while those are really great for you, right, like and awesome, they're not like the easiest <laughs> things to use and same with makeup like I was buying like pure loose powder pigments to make eyeshadow and it's like a lot you know and so I I feel like now if you're listening to this now and this is something you're thinking about you know changing especially if you have if you're a black or brown person who is thinking about lowering your toxic load you're so lucky is what I want to say is that there's so many amazing products now but when I was digging, there wasn't that much that was high performing. It's like it was natural, but, you know, but what, but I did not give up. And like I said, I saw the results, my medical, you know, like my blood work, everything spoke for itself. So it definitely had a big effect, but it, it's not always easy. I mean, we can give you guys some tips. Like I always tell people, you know, to use things like, you know, like the EWG app, things like that. And don't have to throw everything in your house away, but you have to, you know, just start one thing at a time because not everything that is marketed as natural and clean is actually good for you. And not everything that is natural, you know what I'm saying? Not everything is natural is great. 
and not everything that's, you know, has some synthetics and things are bad. So you can live kind of in a happy medium. Yeah, I tell people all the time, snake venom and poison ivy are natural. That doesn't mean that they're good for you and that you want them in your system. Yeah, so I think what message I would send to people is like, unless a brand is testing for safety, then in my opinion, it's not safe because they don't even know, right? Like the loose pigments that you were using could have been high in heavy metals unless someone is testing for safety. Cause I think now it's become the thing that sells. And so people will greenwash and put things like natural or, you know, whatever on their labels. And it really means nothing because especially if there's fragrance in it or something like that, you never know what's in a product. So yeah, I actually did a target guide and I've mentioned this here before, but realeverything.com slash target. And on that I have listed and specified the black owned businesses and products that are both safe. And I've either like recommended them because I use them or said, give them a try. And I will list them in the show notes for you. Things like Black Girl Sunscreen. And I don't, Kai, have you tried the Taraj Never Salty Sugar and Scalp Hair Scrub? It's like eucalyptus or mint. It's super refreshing. Oh, no, I haven't tried that. I have the the old one from Goop that I used to love. And then I saw this one at Target. And obviously, it's a lot less expensive. So I gave it a try. And now I'm obsessed with it. It comes in like a yellow tube. And if you know anybody who has like any sort of scalp issues, like a super oily scalp or super dry scalp or anything like that, exfoliation is really important. Because just like I talk about exfoliation on the skin, exfoliation on your scalp is also important, especially if you're using like dry shampoo, things that build up there. And so I try to use that scalp scrub probably about once a month. And I love it. It smells so good. But I'll put a link to some of the things. And then what are some of the other brands that you like? So some Some of the ones that I found that are Black-owned brands that are personal care is the Honey Pot, which makes better for you feminine hygiene care products and is Black-owned. Then there's We the People, that's O-U-I, and that's the single blade safety razor that Queen Bay, Beyonce, recommended and I gave a try myself and have become obsessed with. And then I also really like Opulence MD Beauty, which I'm curious if you use those. Those are the magnetic lashes. And it was created by a black ophthalmologist to have them be safer for the eyes. And they're really great reusable lashes. No, I haven't tried them. I don't do a lot of magnetic just because of my line of work. Like mm. <laughs> we have to pick what we're going to do or work, working with people on a regular basis. And the, if, if I don't, you don't really want people tr- walking off with your magnetic lashes. Well, I, just, yeah, I was like, <laughs> we, we don't trust that they're going to bring them back. And so <laughs> that makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> like, I'll just, just take them. We'll see you tomorrow. You know? So there's a lot of great brands I, that are out there right now. So I use a scalp scrub too. I use Briogeo. They're also black woman owned. I freaking love that brand. It's a great hair line. I actually take my Briogeo scalp scrub and my conditioner to the hair salon to get my hair done. So that's another thing that you can do. Like if you're like, 
girl, I'm not about to be like mixing stuff up in my kitchen and trying to make my own shampoo and or not go to the hair salon or whatever. You don't have to. You can still trust. If you if you you don't if you don't know me, you know, follow me on Instagram. Trust your girl's nails and her hair are going to be done. Okay, so. But you, but you, you don't have to do the traditional thing. So you can bring your own products. Like I bring my own hair oil, my own shampoo conditioner to the hair salon and just get my hair done. I still use the same lady. I just use cleaner products. Same thing with the nails. I bring my own nail polish or I live in the DC area. We have like some clean salons as well. So I just go to the clean salon. So you have like a lot of options. You can do some things yourself, but you don't have to be limited to only, you know, only doing things yourself. There's lots of other there's lots of brands now. Like if you want to get your nails done, like Misho Beauty is like a great nail polish company, black woman owned. She has incredible nail polish. Also, they're super cute and great like gifts. So I like to give those for like as stocking stuffers or like little presents to people because they look so cute. They have like a little gold ball top. You know, there's like so many great lines out that are very high performing, but also work really, really well. This podcast is brought to you by Dame Products. I know it may seem like an odd partnership at first, but we all need to be more open to the idea of pleasure being good for us mentally and physically, whether by yourself or with a partner. The science is clear. Having a pleasure practice is good for your health, and it can improve the quality of your sleep, help you de-stress, relieve pain, even give you that lit from within glow as you go about your day. Matt and I have used Dame products for years. They are long-lasting, high-performance quality products, and there is so much variety no matter what your personality type. If, like us, you've been married for a really long time and want to change things up, the hands-free toy Eva is specifically for couples. It nestles close to the body and stays put so you and your partner can focus on connection and intimacy, or the Air, which I personally recommend. Dame has so many high quality options and offers hassle-free returns within 60 days so your satisfaction is guaranteed. While on the site, I highly recommend checking out the oil, which passes my clean test. It is by far the best clean ingredient lube that didn't dry out or get weird with use. So power up your pleasure with Air or any of the other toys from Dame Products. Go to dameproducts.com and use code WHOLEVIEW today for 15% off site-wide. That's code WHOLEVIEW to take 15% off your first order at dameproducts.com. This podcast is sponsored by Paleo Valley. I've worked hard to walk us away from diet culture, so know that when I share about a brand with Paleo in it, it is because it's simply the best product. I personally use and love the quality, safety testing, and clinical studies that support the validity of any of their claims. When I traded coffee for smoothies last year, it was a game changer for my health, and I love adding their organic super greens powder. Most green powders, yes, including the name brands you're thinking of, contain dangerous levels of heavy metals and cytotoxins. Paleo Valleys is tested and does not. So important. Plus, it doesn't include any cereal grasses, such as wheatgrass, barley, oat, or rye, all of which I avoid as someone with celiac. 
those 23 superfoods dehydrated in there are turned into an energizing powder that my digestive tract loves. Six grams of prebiotic fiber, enzymes, and beyond just the greens, things like ginger, lemon, sprouts, turmeric, and beets. I genuinely feel amazing with it. And I love to add in their 100% grass-fed bone broth powder too. While I'm talking about Paleo Valley, I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention the two supplements I take from them. Organ Complex and their Essential C Complex, which have more bioavailable antioxidants and are more absorbable from whole food forms, not made from synthetic or corn-based sources like most vitamin C supplements. I love taking them when I travel or if I'm feeling sick to support my immune function since our bodies burn through vitamin C when stressed. Try Paleo Valley yourself at paleovalley.com slash thewholeview and use code thewholeview15 for 15% off. To maximize your savings, go to paleovalley.com slash thewholeview, code thewholeview15. Thanks for sharing some of those. And again, we'll put links in the show notes for you of those so you can look into them yourselves. And I will say, like, what is what is interesting to me is that as consumers become more aware, more of these options, like you said, be have become available for people. And it's it's kind of like when I went gluten-free 10 years ago we had to make everything from scratch and now there's like everything gluten-free like there's gluten-free Oreos you know not just Jojo's there's gluten-free Oreos now and it's fortunately the same way with products unfortunately there are like complete lack of regulation around those products which means it's all on a consumer to do that research themselves which is incredibly difficult if you don't know all these things and you go to Target and you have your children with you. I have been there with my teenagers, like asking me a bazillion questions, telling me, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over here. You know, I can't imagine it with toddlers while you're trying to read a label and see whether or not the word fragrance is in something. I came home after trying to do that once and had accidentally brought, bought deodorant for Matt with fragrance in it. I was just like so frustrated. Like even when I'm trying to do everything right, I'm still not able to do it perfectly. And that's okay too. Like not everything has to be done perfectly. This is the kind of thing where the dose does make the poison on a lot of these things. Where it becomes a severe problem is when ingredients are used that in no quantity, is there a measurable amount that would be safe for you? For example, asbestos. So asbestos is the kind of thing where there is no amount that is safe. Any particle at all becomes a problem. Obviously, the more is worse, but we know that there is asbestos in talcum being used still in personal care products. And Johnson & Johnson has taken a lot of heat because they have paperwork that Reuters did an investigation and revealed showing that they knew that there was asbestos in their products and that it was unsafe. And then they marketed it intentionally to people of color and children knowing that for many years. And that's why 
they have 38,000 pending lawsuits against them right now. But that's really just the tip of the iceberg. Like, I've talked before on this show about how the FDA, you know, gave a recommendation to recall items of makeup that had been tested by a third party, not them, because they don't have that ability, and had been shown to have asbestos, and they recommended the recall, but couldn't guarantee it. And then the same thing last year with finding benzene, which is a no carcinogen, in sunscreen. Again, they can suggest recall and pulling those products, but they can't mandate it. And there is just no legislation to protect people. And I think what it, what especially enrages me about this and has made me really passionate is that this becomes even more of a problem for those who do not have access to safer. Like it is a privilege to be able to use safer products. And whether it's about access or whether it's about affordability, these things become something that divides the classes. And it shouldn't be and I'm using that word should intentionally, I'm very careful about my shoulds, it should not be the case that health is available to higher classes. It should be the case that anybody going into the Dollar Tree, to Walmart, or to Sephora, or a department store, are all having a standard of health as a minimum bar on the products that they're using. And you know, because you changed your stuff out and, you know, saw marketed health improvements, there are endless studies on the internet of people doing this, right? There's the the documentary Toxic Beauty, where the woman like removes everything and then uses clean beauty and is measuring all her levels. Like there is absolutely information out there where we know that this is affecting people's health negatively, especially women of color, especially young bodies that are even more affected by hormone disrupting chemicals. And it is why I am so passionate about changing legislation so that we can get safer products into the hands of everyone. It's not going to be beauty counter. It's not going to be higher performing safer products into the hands of everyone, but everyone needs access to safe items that are not going to harm their health. And I think this, you and I have talked about this before. And, you know, as we kind of finish this discussion, I'm hoping you'll kind of be able to get a little vulnerable here in that, you know, as a person of color in a clean beauty and holistic wellness space, what that experience has been and how that healthism mindset kind of has created even more of that divide that we're trying to bridge. And yet, instead of feeling like we're moving away from racism and away from classism and all these things, what we're seeing is that holistic wellness space, that clean beauty space can oftentimes be ostracizing, especially to a person of color. And I look to you as someone who is an expert, who I look up to, who I love working with. You're a professional doing this work in this space. You have a lot of knowledge on it. You have certifications that clearly demonstrate your expertise. And you are not always welcomed in the space in a way that treats you with that same respect. So I think it's an important part of the conversation that I'd love if you would kind of open up and talk about a little bit. 
Yes, I, I would love to talk about this. I want to say to you, just piggy, piggybacking to the Johnson & Johnson and things like that, I want everyone that is listening to this podcast to hear this, if you hear nothing else. It is not a coincidence that the certain products that we know that are causing a lot of harm are effect, also affecting Black and brown people. That is why there's nothing being done about those particular products. Like, think about, think about that for a second. If I can tell you this from experience of a Black person growing up and from generations and generations of my family talking about it, I can think of, I can think of no Black person that I know that has grown up in America or have had other generations of their family in America who maybe didn't have a lot of money and everybody, the only thing that, that you could afford was, you know, talcum powder, petroleum jelly, and things like that. You saved up for a relaxer if you didn't have money. That's a fact in the community. And the fact that those are the type of things that they, they continuously are not improving is steeped in racism. So think about that. And if you are here and you're an ally, fight for, fight for your black and brown brothers and sisters and be like, this isn't cool. We see what you're doing. Like, we want to call these people. Call <laughs> we these see people what out. you're doing. <laughs> we see what you're doing. Like, we're not stupid. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a coincidence. Like, that those are the things that we use. That was the only, like, for, I know, for many black people, the only moisturizer they had in their house was Vaseline. That's what they used to oil their scalps and moisturize their hair. Because you don't have as much money. That's like a whole nother thing, right? Classism and stuff like that. Most people that are, you know, a lot of people that are in the, the, that have less money are black and brown people in America. So it's not a coincidence. So I just wanted to, th to throw that out there. And then getting into the clean space is the same thing that I was talking about before where like the clean space, you guys, if you think of everything that's in the clean space, all of this stuff is thousands of years old started by an African or an Asian person or, or a native, like all of everything that's in our space now is not new, but just, just new people are taking credit for it and excluding the other people. And that's what's happening in the space. Now, listen, being in the beauty space is a hard space to be in anyways. I've, I've never changed it. I love, I love, you know, what I do, but it's already hard to be in it. But the, in the traditional beauty space, at least like amongst your comrades, you're accepted. Like most beauty people are like cool, open-minded, doesn't matter what color or background or whatever, like we're all in this together, right? So when I came into the clean beauty space, I expected kind of the same thing or even more, like because we are trying, you know, we're trying to help people, we're trying to educate. And I was kind of shocked that that was not the case in every scenario. So for an example, a scenario that I had was when I first got into the space and I was like looking for products. And especially when, remember when I told you guys the story about that, I was like really committed to building my pro kit after working on all of those pregnant women that one day. Um, so I'm really committed to growing my pro kit and the pro kit's got to be high performing, 
and clean, right? It's it's not just one or the other because, you know, like if somebody's face melts off on national news, like I'm in trouble, you know? So I was looking for all these, you know, like just looking for stuff. Like what are, what are people using? I found a couple of pro makeup artists that were doing well, that were working in the space that I was working. And I saw that these two artists had a Facebook group. So I joined the group. I was so excited and people would post, you know, stuff in the group. So I posted in the group, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm not a new makeup artist, but I'm new to clean beauty and I'm looking for products and stuff like this, you know, would love any recommendations. And this is uh, on a public post. They were like, both of the founders, it's not our responsibility to help you build your kit. You need to figure it out. No one's here to help you with stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's what I thought this forum was for. So it was like, I just got straight, like right out the gate. I'm like, wow. Okay. Then I have also another like example. And I think that this is what, where, you know, you guys can help. We were going to talk about that, but I interviewed another makeup artist. She's a, a clean artist and she's like one of, she's like basically one of the pioneers of clean beauty, to be honest. And this person, like, she's a great makeup artist. She works on like very famous people. I work on famous people. But she works on very famous people. We're just going to leave it at that. There's levels. <laughs> and so this artist, she's an amazing, amazing artist. I mean, there, there was this project going around. She's this, this woman I'm talking about the black woman. There was this project going around kind of the makeup community where they wanted this certain makeup brand wanted to do a training for black women, like on how to use their products and stuff like that. Like, especially like complexion and stuff like that. So this person and a few other people that were qualified to do this, overqualified, some of them, you know, put in for this, you know, a bid for this job or whatever, interviewed for this to get this, this job. And the person who got the job was also one of the girls that was in that group, but I, I digress, was a Caucasian woman who did the class teaching all black women and the whole thing blew up because they like published it and it all blew up because she was not even versed in using like terms that she did not know were offensive to black people. And so the whole thing, like someone who was as qualified as my friend was completely overlooked for the job for this person who wasn't even qualified. And I feel like a lot of that happens sometimes in the wellness and clean beauty space where just because someone's popular or whatever, if they fit the, the nuance, the new wellness thing was just like thin, white, yeah. you know. That's what I was going to say. It, to yeah. yeah it totally white, aligns to that. Right. <laughs> to that wellness mindset of I only want to take health advice from someone who looks the way I want to look, which doesn't mean that they actually know anything about health. Like most of those people have genetics, right? Like it's not that they have knowledge. And the fact that, you know, if you're teaching a room full of black women, there is there is a supremacy aspect of putting a white person in charge of that 
versus someone who has the experience and the knowledge to be able to appropriately do that work. It's, I mean, I, I think you're being kind here in the examples that you're giving and the, <laughs> like the personal experiences that you've had, which I think are a lot of microaggressions and di- different kinds of things like that. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's a lot of microaggressions. Listen, the last thing I'll tell you guys is I remember being at an award ceremony and this amazing woman She's an amazing. She's basically she's a saint. Okay, got this award. Are you talking about me again? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yes, totally you. And so this amazing woman is getting an award, right? And she's a woman of color. She's getting an award in the beauty space, right? And this Caucasian woman, who I thought we were cool, right? Like walked up to me afterwards, and she was so mad. And obviously, she was just mad because she didn't get the award, right? Like, let's be real. But she walked up to me. Now, I'm black, right? And was like, I can't believe that they gave her that award. They only gave it to her because she's, she was a, I don't want to, you know, call her out or whatever, but, but because she's like ethnic, basically, is what she said. Because she's, because she's Latina. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, you know, I was so shocked. I didn't even know what to say. But there's a lot of that. You know, I read an article about this lady who was taking yoga and I had a whole discussion about it on my now lockdown Facebook page. Can't, I can't get it back. But anyways, that's another story for another day. But I had a whole discussion about this article where this lady was taking yoga and talking about all the stuff that was happening to her that was so inappropriate. Like people talking about her body. One lady slapped her on the butt. You know, like, oh, I wish I had a butt like yours. Mm. I guess that's like hereditary. Like in yoga? Really, girl? You know, like this is where you're supposed to go. I don't know. As a devout yogi, I've been a, a devout yogi for many, many years. That's where you're supposed to go to get your healing and to have like that. It's kind a safe of stuff space. You. Yes. It's supposed to be a safe space. Yes. And so it's just like stuff like that. And it's like, can we all get well, regardless of what color we are, what size we are, how much money we have? Like, wellness space should be for everyone but the way but because it's wellness still steeped in the white supremacy then it's like well first if you're white and then if you're also the norm the wellness norms because that's a whole different thing too right like that's like you know super skinny and that I can identify with right like that it's like a type (laughs) yeah it's like a very specific type you know And, and what I will say that I've realized more recently after having been doing this work is how much that holistic wellness community has really become a place of healthism, which is rooted in white supremacy, racism, fat phobia, all of these things, right? If we believe that we're better than someone else because we're healthier than them, which I genuinely believed for a really long time, like, well, I'm making an effort to eat better. I'm making an effort to take care of myself. I'm making an effort to, you know, exercise. 
Therefore, I am going to look down on you because you're not doing those things. You are lazy. You are whatever. And I am not. I am better. That was definitely a mindset that I had for a really long time. I'm willing to set aside a portion of my income to spend on, you know, food, supplements, all these things. It is that same mentality that drives us to then push out onto all of these other vulnerable populations and minorities. And it's like, it's like we've manifested a new way to, to put these same beliefs on someone while still justifying in our head that we aren't racist or we aren't the bad people, but we're different because blah, blah, blah. And I think it's really important that we all kind of do that work to think, are we comparing ourselves to anyone? Are we looking at or talking about or touching anyone's bodies because it it's it does not matter what somebody else is doing unless they're blowing smoke in my face has absolutely nothing to do and no bearing on me and therefore it's none of my business and I don't need to judge it or think about it other than is that person kind is that person someone I want to have in my life because they bring me joy they bring me laughter they're smart you, you know whatever it is it's not about how someone you know, looks in this world, which seems like we can't get over. So I think this leads us to where I like to kind of always wrap the show, which is what we can all do as individuals to kind of bring that positive action forward. So for our listeners to walk away with some actionable suggestions that, you know, allow them to be of service and remove themselves from these beauty standards that promote racism, sexism, activities that create that health is a mindset and, you know, not touching someone's butt in yoga class is a good place to start. I mean, really? <laughs> but I'm wondering what other ideas that you have for our listeners. So there's two sides to this, you guys. So if you are a black or brown person, I have two things for you. First, you're allowed to just exist exactly how you are. I chose to be in this space and talk about these type of things, but if you're not a freaking race relations expert, you don't have to address any of this stuff. You are allowed to just live freely and be who you are. That's the first thing I want to say to you. The second thing I want to say, which is not always easy to say to my people, but is when you're looking at products, when you are doing things, when you're living your life, ask yourself, if it's, is it something that you actually want to do or something that you love and you enjoy? Or is it because of the patriarchy? Or is it because it's steeped in white supremacy? It sounds like a weird question, but trust me, if you start doing it, it will change you. That's it's hard. How, it's really hard. It's hard, but it will change you. If it feels uncomfortable, if brown. Mm -hmm. yeah. If it feels uncomfortable, you're doing it right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It feels very uncomfortable. And I remember, like for instance, I remember my first thing that I asked myself that was, and that was my hair. Like I was, you know, first I was straightening my hair, and then I was wearing all of these. Like now. I'm, I'm not knocking this, but I was wearing all these like wigs and extensions and stuff like that. And I still stand by, I looked good. Okay. So let's just get that straight. But <laughs> second, 
was I wearing my hair straight and adding all those straight extensions and stuff because I just loved it, loved it, and it made me feel good inside, or was that steeped in my own white supremacy and patriarchy that I have to, you know, that I've been living in? Like I said, we're all living in it. It doesn't matter what color you are. And the answer for me was yes. And that's when I shaved my head. <laughs> and I still have most of my head shaved to this day, but that's when I shaved my head. Like, it, it upset me that I was allowing someone else to define who I was or how I should look. And I understand it because it's still in place, right? Especially like I'm a makeup artist. So, you know, nobody cares what my hair looks like, right? But if you're an attorney, I get it. I get the struggle. You know what I mean? For someone to take you seriously and stuff like that. But think about why you're doing it and how you can be more free. So that's for my black and brown people. If you're not a black and brown person, the biggest things that you can do to help you know, make sure that we're all treated equally in the green beauty space and the wellness community. Or if you want to just help out your friends, right? Like if you have a really good friend, she's looking for a new lipstick. You could be like, she's like, oh, I'm about to go to XYZ and get a lipstick. You should, you know, and then you know, there's a clean beauty alternative, maybe recommend it to them. You don't have to go into the whole, you're carrying a toxic load, black lady, and you know, you might die. Like, don't go there. Just Oh, I, you know, there's this really cool clean beauty store and they have like an alternative. So that's something that is okay. A big thing is, is fun fact, a- Fenty, like half of their products, which is Rihanna's company are EWG green. So that's like a go-to as well that I forgot to mention. Yeah. And remember that, like, like we said, you, you're just looking for like safe. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, you know, like somebody's grandma crushed all the, you know, the leaves and rolled it into a (laughs) lipstick. Like it doesn't have to be that you're just looking for safer ingredients. Another thing is, and this is a huge one. This is what my whole platform is about. Modern green goddess, especially on Instagram is inclusivity. If there is a brand wellness based or clean beauty based or not, and they don't have stuff for everyone then it's for no one. That's like my stance on it. I've been approached by many, many brands. I would have a lot more money if I just went ahead and like endorsed different brands, were paid by certain brands to, you know, do reels or video, whatever. And I've turned a lot of them down because I'm like, you know what? I looked at your website and there are no colors for people darker than me or nothing for really fair skin people or whatever. If it's not for all of us, it's for none of us. And I am not going, I don't want to support that. I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, I love that. I I think that's a really important point and not just that there's like one or two darker shades, right? If there's, if there's 12 light color shades and two dark colored shades, that's not inclusivity. It's not inclusivity. And they're going to give you some standard pushback lines because I used to get this one a lot. Well, in the clean beauty space, it's really hard to, girl, no, that's not true. There are lots of brands, especially now that are making full, beautiful ranges of safer products. And it's hard. I've also heard it's in general, it's hard to make darker colors. I'm like, girl, Mac's been making all the colors since the eighties. Okay. 
stop it. Like, don't, my point is, don't let them, don't let them off the hook. So if you see it, write them a letter. I'm just curious why you don't offer dot, 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 dot. And I think when it comes from a person that's in a different category, it, it wakes them up a little bit. And if you see that they don't change it, don't support them with your dollars. There's plenty of makeup companies, plenty of skincare companies, plenty of wellness companies out here that are actually inclusive. And so I've actually had that issue. I was going to do a big launch, a bunch of classes, a whole thing with a company last year. And then the, the product that they sent me, I was like, I can't use this. Can we use something else? Well, no, we really want to use this. I had to cancel. But I'm very serious about that. If it's not for everybody, it's for no one, period. And I think if everyone starts showing up and saying that, that's going to make a big difference. And if they really push back or give you the whatever, just tell, don't support them with their dollars. Or if you see someone else go in there and be like, you know what? I don't support these people with their with my dollars because X, Y, Z. What the person decides to do after that is up to them, but at least they know, right? Maya Angelou, if you know better, you do better. So I think that that is one of the most powerful things you can do. And also support BIPOC, you know, black and brown, clean businesses. And the reason why you want to do that is because black women, especially, even though they're the most educated group of people in the United States, they are the most underfunded for business. They get the least amount of money. So the only way to get the word out about Black businesses, especially Black women-owned businesses in particular, and even a lot of other women BIPOC-owned businesses, is for us to seek them out and refer them. We have to grassroots it because these banks aren't giving them what they deserve. I love that. I don't know if you know this about me and listeners. I don't think you know this about me, but I was actually the small business liaison as a corporate vice president and, and all these things that I did. Like one of my big passions was working with and finding small businesses. Like I always worked for small businesses, but then we would partner with other small businesses and like seeking out, you know, not just women owned, not just black owned, but also, you know, indigenous, Native American, like all these kinds of businesses. And I think one of the things that struck me about what you said earlier is, well, well, they only gave it to her because blah, blah, blah. Like I have such an abundance mindset on the other side of that, which is that these opportunities have been held from these vulnerable populations for so long that if we don't advocate for them to have the same access, it is impossible for them to catch up. It will take hundreds, thousands of years because that's how long it was kept away from them. So I think the idea of as a white woman, I seek out black businesses and put my money with them as often as I can. I mean, even like the bakery that we choose to get my gluten-free cakes from, like I go out of my way to shop at the black owned bakery because I want to support a black man doing this work. And it's not that I don't want to support other people. It's that it makes it that much harder to be able to move forward. And it's why on my target list, I identified the black businesses because I want people to know if you're choosing to shop with your dollars, this is a great place to do it. There's a zero waste toilet paper brand at Target 
that is black owned, like that's amazing. I love that that's, that that exists and that Target is pouring their money in there and I want them to succeed. And so we all have to, to lift that up together. Just like my Angelou says, another quote that I love is a rising tide lifts all ships, right? Instead of thinking about it like, oh, there's only pie. And if somebody else gets a piece of the pie, then there's less pie for me. Equality is not pie. Equality is the sea rising that can lift us all instead of being like less for this person, more for me, or the opposite. If there's more for somebody else, then there's less for me. That's not the case. Like we can all exist in a space that is positive. And I think listeners, if you've gotten this far, you care, you want to do that. A couple of the other things that I try to do as an ally, um, and I, Kai, I loved your ideas. I think mine are a bit more kind of like tangible and things that I could do. And I'm like, yes, yes, all of your ideas are great. Mine seem to pale in comparison. But I did have on here, like never touch someone without their consent. And I'm thinking about it from the perspective of like a pregnant person's belly, right? Like that's known. We don't touch a pregnant person's belly, especially if you don't know them. It's best not even to ask for consent. If you do know them, then ask before you touch. It's the same thing with a black woman's hair. It doesn't matter how how intrigued a person might be. If you have this habit yourself, or if you know someone, or if you're there and someone does it, like be the person that stands up for the person being touched. Like it doesn't need to be their responsibility to defend themselves. If you're standing there, be their ally and be like, keep your hands to yourself. Did you ask to touch her hair? Like I have definitely said that around other people before. And if you're not as direct and aggressive as I am, that's okay. There are other ways for you to be able to advocate and to, you know, speak up. I think being able to advocate for your friends of color when you see things like that happen is really important. And, you know, if I worked at a company that had policies that I felt were discriminatory in any sort of way, for example, stating that traditional hairstyles weren't professional, and I'm using quotation marks when I say weren't professional, I would absolutely, as a white person, voice that I felt that that is inappropriate and unacceptable and fight for that. Even though that's not how I'm going to style my hair, I can still advocate for somebody else to have rights. It doesn't mean that I have less rights if I'm advocating for somebody else to be or be culturally what they want to do. I think it would be the same thing with someone who you know, was covering their hair either from religious perspective or from a cult, you know, cultural perspective and protecting their hair. Like there's a lot of different reasons why someone might do that. And there's no reason that we need to limit it. And so even if that's not you still being able to stand up for and, and protect the rights of those people. And then the last thing that I'll say that I hear all the time, and this is an example of a microaggression. So if you heard me use the word microaggression and you're like, what does that even mean? What, like, how can I know if that's happening either from me or to people around me? So an example of that is to say, oh, Kai, you're so pretty for a black person. Stacy, you're so pretty for a fat person, right? If you say things or you hear people say things like, 
your X compliment for X type of person. That is not a compliment as a microaggression because it's saying you don't fit the cultural standard that we're talking about. So I'm going to set you aside over here and, and placate you a little bit for that. It doesn't feel good. It does, it is not a compliment. Would you agree with that, Kai? I 100% agree. And I want to add to that, that like, if you are having, for some reason, having difficulty with not touching people or whatever, (laughs) I don't know, I think it's weird. But if you are having difficulty with it, think of it like, let's say if you're a white person, would you do that to another white person? Like, would you just walk up to them and touch their hair or their body in any way? Even if you you, would, it's not okay. if you didn't know them. Well, I feel like if you you thought about it, if you went up to somebody and did that, that was another white person, you would probably go to jail that day, right? Because sis is going to call the cops on you. And so I think that thinking about it is that's the whole point of equality. Like what you would do to your, you know, to Sally, the neighbor, you should be doing with Kai. It's the same. You know what I mean? That is the whole, that's what equality is. We want to be treated. I mean, we want to be recognized for our, our amazing differences. Like I want to be celebrated for my blackness, but I also want to be human wise treated the same. Like, so just think about like, would I do that to like, if somebody walked up to grandma Sally and started touching her hair, would I, I would be like, get off my grandma. You know what I'm saying? Like you, that's how you would think. So like, why would that be okay for you to do to a black person or a person of color. And also, like, if you look at statistics, that's another reason why in rape, like rape culture, a lot of, you know, a lot more people of color get raped and their cases aren't solved because it's almost like burned in the society that it's, that it's not as important. Like one of the ways that they kept slavery the way that it was for so long was by saying that black people are less than human. They're like animals, the women, you know, they can't get enough. You got to tame them. None of that is true. Right. But like, if those that's still trickling down where people feel like it's okay to just touch you, how, you know what I mean? Like, it's again, one of those things where you have to think, is this something I would normally do? Or is this something that it's probably steeped in white supremacy? And maybe I need to you know, to, to check that or, or to rethink it, you know, but I do think that those are some, some things too. Like, it's just like a human things. Like what, what I touch such and such, then no, then I shouldn't do that to this lady either. Yeah. You just gotta be, you just gotta think about, you know, it's like weird, right? Because you're like, we want you to celebrate our differences, but also differences still doesn't make somebody not human. You know, like there's a difference between, you know, you're still human. Like what would it, what would it, a, a good human do? And I know our listeners are good humans. So yeah, I trust them to go forth with these things and implement them in their own lives and be advocates for others. The last thing I want to mention is if you are concerned about the toxicity of ingredients affecting people of color more adversely, you can still text Better Beauty to 52886 because when we're able to encourage our representatives to put forth bills and legislature that protect at that regulatory level, it helps everybody. And there are so many pending bills in the House Health Committee right now that are just kind of stuck there after years of COVID that if we were able to move those forward, it would be huge for the general population. So encouraging your representatives to 
try to get those out of committee and to vote for them. They are bipartisan and they will help everybody in enabling things like FDA to have recall. Like the simplicity of some of these things that are being asked is kind of confounding. These these aren't very difficult or complex things that we're asking for here. We are going to be sharing more of what we really thought over on patreon.com slash the whole view. Though I will say, Kai, you have shown up in your full self and I love that our listeners got to hear so much of your personality today. If you have questions, the Patreon is the best place to do that. It's also a way to support the show that we create and produce ourselves. You can also do that simply by leaving a review and hitting the follow or subscribe button in whatever app you are choosing to listen so that others can find us too. I really appreciate so many of you have been leaving reviews lately and can't thank you enough for that. If you haven't yet, it is not too late. You can always leave a review. Just simply like scroll down, especially if you're in the Apple Podcasts app, go click the little whole view button and hyperlink and scroll down and that's where you leave review. Tag Kai and myself in sharing this podcast. Kai is at Modern Green Goddess on Instagram. Are you anywhere else? Modern Green Goddess? Are you, do you I'm TikTok? On, I'm on YouTube. I'm on okay. YouTube and I'm on Instagram. Okay, great. And your website, moderngreengoddess.com. People can check out different classes that they can take and all kinds of things. I will say I have done a bunch of them with you and for my skincare clients. They're fantastic. You can see the ones that Kai and I have both done. Just email me and then you do them pretty regularly, maybe like every month or two. Is that right? I do. Yeah, I do. Okay. And then of course, all of the resources that we talked about today, the books, and then I have a lot more references as well that I've put in there. You can find in the show notes. Thank you for tuning in today. We really appreciate your willingness to be open to growth, to listening, learning, unlearning behaviors that we might realize are not so great to help us become better versions of ourselves. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.